Hey, it's Paul Purnell here from the RPG Empire. So I have a couple of quick announcements, really quick, hopefully. Uh, first of all, we absolutely adore you. We think you are amazing, and we really are so thankful that you listen to our podcast and that you're a part of our community. And that said, we want to invite you to our uh, Discord server where you can communicate with us, you can ask questions about the stories, you can submit your own fan art, and we can all go like, oh my god, I can't believe they made it look so cool, or whatever we say. And then also, uh, you can, you know, ask questions about running games and how that all works. So definitely hop on over there and join the community more uh, actively. We would love to have you. Um, also, the best thing you can do to support the RPG Empire, besides sending us fat stacks of cash, which we'll always accept, you know, envelopes, you can just address it right to me, um, <laughs> is uh, if you tell a friend. So 100% the best way for a podcast to grow is for people to hear about it from people they trust like you. So I know you have at least one friend. And tomorrow, I want you to go and tell them about this podcast that you're listening to right now that you love so that we can continue to grow and uh, and just really grow as a community. So that's your mission. Uh, and the final last thing to, to just request and say is if you want to support the RPG Empire with actual dollars, the best way you can do that right now is to buy our book, The Dust World RPG PBTA Quick Start Guide. It's five bucks. It's in our uh, shop on therpgempire.com. It's a super light read. It's 30 pages of fantastic layout, great art, and it teaches you everything you need to know to play a Powered by the Apocalypse game if you've never done that. Uh, maybe not everything you know. It It's brief. It's a quick start guide. But uh, it also comes with the playbooks and all the reference sheets. So we would love for you to do that and then hop in the Discord and tell us what, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. We're going to continue to uh, work on that until it's completely done. It should be around 300 pages, include a bunch of awesome manga art because we're really inspired by manga and anime. And uh, that's about it. So uh, those three things, again, were join the Discord to tell a friend, or buy the Dust World book, or do all three. We really appreciate that you listen to the podcast and that you're part of our community, and we can't wait to talk to you more in the Discord. So with all of that said, I'm going to let you get back to the show. Have a good day. Hello, players. This is Paul Purnell, the DM of Dust World. So this is a very special episode where we recap episodes 1 through 21. If you're already caught up, you could probably just skip it. But if you want a quick reminder of what's happened thus far and what might be coming up, this is a good episode. Also, if this is your first time listening to Dust World, this might be a good episode to jump in. It's got a lot of the rules stuff taken out. And if you're really excited about it and like it, you can always jump back and listen from the beginning. So with that said, let's start the show. Hello, I'm Paul Parnell, the DM of Dust World, an actual play podcast where we play an anime-flavored post-apocalyptic sci-fi western game in the vein of Trigun or Fallout. In this game, we will be creating a story together. Play the intro. Now we follow our heroes, Gage Thane, a dust-casting, sword-wielding monk from the mountains of Black Earth. Clarence Wales, the telepathic child runaway whose mind is strong enough to bring grown men to their knees. Kevin Wolfkin, the sharp-shooting, foul-mouthed, fox-faced hunter from a hidden village of werewolves. And Wedge, the indestructible cyborg brawler. Let's see what becomes of them in Dust World. Here are our players. We've got Jonathan, who's playing Gage Thane. We've got Blaze, who's playing Clarence Wells. And here we've got Preston playing uh, Kevin Wolfkin. Hello. Okay, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Gage? Uh, Oh, shoot. Well, he's still single, so there's that. Gage is a monk. He's from the Black Earth, and he is a dustcaster and also a swords swordsman, which is an ancient swords technique. Um, he's really on a quest right now. He's just trying to find his sister who's been long gone and missing, uh, with no real information on what happened to her. So he's been searching around trying to find that. So he's just that classic Western hero looking for, (laughs) looking to save the day and not really knowing what he's doing because he's kind of ignorant to the world being so secluded. So 
He's not great with people. Cool. Okay, uh, Blaze, tell me a little bit about Clarence. Uh, Clarence is a telepath. He's a war breed, um, which is, is ironic, it? heavily ironic, considering. Oh, but yeah. um, he is uh, pale, somewhat disfigured, even not particularly good-looking. He's basically a mutant um, with albino. Uh, but he has uh, a variety of psychic powers that grow along the journey from uh, telekinesis to telepathy to mind control. Um, he was raised in a circus by an abusive uncle. His uncle used him as a prop to help him with gambling uh, cons, and Clarence eventually got sick of it and ran away. Uh, Clarence is determined to protect himself, and so he has animated a suit of armor and named it Stuart because Clarence is very lonely and just has decided to name random things. But he has a suit of armor named Stuart that he uses to protect himself. It's got a face shield. It's like kind of typical knight armor where it's, it's pretty stocky, a helm. So, Preston, tell us a little bit about Kevin Wolfkin. I'm Preston, and I play Kevin Wolfkin, also known as Leander in his own people's tongue. What's Kevin's narrative background? Like, kind of where does he come from? Uh, Kevin is trying to find the people that burned his village down uh, with the intention of myrtilating their face because his father was the village elder. only makes sense that his kid takes revenge. Uh, he's also a descendant of the war wolves of old, created through horrible experiments because life sucks and people need super soldiers. Um, basically, he left his village to go hunting to get food for them, and he comes back and the place is destroyed. And that's his motivations. That's why he wants revenge, which is a part of his character flaws. Can you really blame the guy? Because I can't. So, I am the DM, I will be playing every other character, but in particular, there are a few NPCs who are very interesting and important to the story. One of them is Griffin Silvercrest, or Griff. He is a warwolf, but because his uh, genes have human DNA in them, he was born and he looks exactly like a human. Over time, he grew more powerful in his village, and eventually, um, because these particular kind of werewolf-human hybrids have the ability to uh, dust shift and they can't always control it, he was banished from his tribe. He lived in the desert waste, and he made money by doing odd jobs. He's what's called a stray. He is unbranded, and it allows him to move from nation to nation, but it also makes people uneasy to trust him. General Gerber is is a baby-faced telekinetic child. He looks like a baby, but he's actually, you know, 30 or maybe 40. He's in charge of the military of this nation called Other, as well as in charge of this particular small town, Lonely Oak. He is incredibly powerful telekinetic and is a general for a reason. His strategic ability is on par with the best minds of his time. So to start out with, uh, all of our party members are on a train. Train is one of the main ways that people travel in this world, and as I talked about before, uh, every country is kind of martial law. Generally, it's kind of difficult to travel through uh, each country, and so the train is like one of the few ways that they sort of all agree to not mess up, essentially. So our whole party's on the train for their various reasons. Clarence was escaping the circus. Uh, Gage was on a journey to find his uh, missing sister. And Kevin was out to revenge his, uh, his tribe that was slaughtered. That finds us on the train, which everything seemed to be going well. And uh, there was... Uh, Clarence was sitting in the back of one of the cars. Really cool old-timey trains, like imagine, you know, what would travel in the West. Um, so, what happened between Clarence and Gage? Gage starts out, he's, he's chilling, sitting in the chair, you know, sitting in his chair, kind of thinking over just everything that's been going on, kind of puzzling over this kind of new world he's in. He doesn't really know anything about it, but he's got enough to know that he's in over his head a little bit, but he's hoping he can find some stuff. So he's headed to the next town to 
see if he can pick up any leads, see if he's heard anything of his sister, if anyone's seen anything on it, and also get some jobs too, because he's broke his all mess, but that's beside the point. You know, Gage was looking around the train, trying to scope everything out, noted one scrawny kid in the back, and then one dude kind of like curled up sleeping in the corner with a hood over his face. Huge armor. Yeah, he had a huge armor with him, but you know, I mean, he made note of it and was like, that's weird. But at the same time, Gage doesn't really know the status quo for the world, so he figured, oh, maybe that's normal. Okay. So a few minutes later, uh, Gage notices one of the guys who's kind of uh, strapped with some guns starts kind of talking amongst each other and then rush out of this room. Uh, and, you know, Gage, trying to be a hero, was like, maybe I should go see what's going on. And <clears throat> as he does, he enters into the second car where uh, these guys have all put on their, you know, ban- uh, handkerchief over their face, bandit style, and are now sticking up the joint. This is a stick up, everyone. of you keep on your, your knees and your seats. Don't make me shoot anyone of you. I'll shoot you all. I swear. You better not move. Well, Gage being himself and not really he's not good at social cues let me tell you um, <laughs> so Gage walks in this guy turns immediately like hey what are you doing get in your seat Gage politely declines and starts walking towards the man I was um, like get in your seat get down on your knees and as Gage gets close enough put your hands up pops he goes that's what happened put goes, your hands up okay okay just give me one alright I'm putting them and as he does he opens up a little flask he has actually in his wrist it's a little canister in a bracer in a bracer has, uh, yep it's like, it's like it. think Assassin's Creed like knife, except it's a canister of dust. And as he lifts up his arms quickly, he throws the dust into the man's eyes. Ow! Ow! It burns! Ow! The dust is in my eyeball! You're... I'm turning on you guys! What? What? What do you mean? I want the money for myself! And then they, uh, one by one, start shooting each other until eventually they're all... It turns into all a battle royale. Dark. Oh, but also, uh, Stuart did enter the fight, and Stuart, like, comes in and, like, punches a few of these guys, and they're like, oh my god, you're so big! And he's, like, smashing them. Uh, and then eventually you two get back together. So then the whole group of uh, passengers weren't sure who they should be more afraid of, the people sticking them up or the guy cutting them all in half. And so, uh, yeah, Griff is like, wow, you guys actually did pretty well handling, you know, agents, literally generals of the Red Earth Army. Like, when you get back to town, I think I have a job for you. And that is where our story begins. There's another gentleman that came in the other night. He gave out a, gave out some kind of drink or something, man. All the soldiers were loving that too. Do you happen to carry that? Oh some yeah, kind of it tequila. Was, it was my tequila. He was buying for everyone. I got you. It's like you want some? Oh yeah, I'll take one to go. I gotta get back to the base, but I'll take one to run for later. Yeah. What are you doing at the base? She pulls out the bottle. It's I'm looking for contract work. I told you. It I has a little. It has a um. Uh, what do you call it? It has some kind of snake in it and then a worm. Okay. A I told you. Yeah, a snake. I told you. I'm trying to look for contract work and, you know, with that whole train thing, might be able to get a little bit of money off of that. You never know. You're, I see you're a shrewd man. Gotta yeah. go where it's calling, that's all. She pours you uh, a shot. Clarence now assists this. So I'm going to Oh, I was asking for, like, a bottle yeah. to take with me. Like, oh, you, you notice he's drinking bottle? a new yeah. bottle. But it costs you, like, five bullets. Bullets. Yeah, it's it's not the cheap stuff. All right. Oh God, you're gonna lose a lot of bullets there. <laughs> I don't use bullets, so they're oh, like yeah. they're kind of just a commodity at this point for me. Yeah. All right, that sounds good to me. If you if you vouch for it, do you make it in house? Uh, of course not. We import this straight from Red Earth. All right. I'll take a little. Well, I didn't catch your name, but oh, I'm Miss Zazzle. Well, Miss Zazzle, I hope I'll see you soon. Sure thing, I'll be here. And now I'm going to rejoin them outside the bar. At first, you hear cicadas, like dozens of voices. Cicada-like voices. And then you zoom in on one, and you hear a female voice. You're doing excellent, ladies. You're doing excellent. Make sure you smile. Don't forget to wink at every customer that leaves. And if they tip you extra big, give them a big old smooch. Yeah, he, he recognized it as Zazzle's voice. Really? I could just figure out it's Sazzle. She's running the bar. It's Sazzle. You mean the nice lady I was talking to in the bar? <laughs> She's not nice. 
Uh, Kevin, you notice on the ceiling there's a couple more of those bugs, and you recognize them. That <laughs> uh, probably doesn't bode well for us. Can I sniff to see if I recognize any smells? Uh, yeah. So the smell is the same smell uh, from your village. And you guys both. Twenty-one. To me on that Finally. Picture. Okay, so you guys okay. both notice that bug again. Only this time it goes under his skin. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the scare of some mummy. He like goes like this for a second, and then he's like, "Oh, hey guys!" And then he walks. Hi. Bye. 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 <laughs> so we should set the building that. on okay. fire. It's okay. Yes. Fire. Yes. Uh, set the building. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. You know what? You two can do that. I'm gonna go ahead and say we should distract her and see what's in the storage closet. I suddenly don't want to know. Okay, so she kind of like slips past you. She's like, nope, thanks. And she runs over here. And she talks to, uh, to this cowboy. And she's like, Razlo, it's which, time to get to work. work. And Razlo's like, yes, ma'am. Is this a problem? Razlo goes like this and pulls his uh, his jacket off. Oh, no. And you see him kind of go like... <laughs> and puts his hands down, and a third arm goes... <laughs> out of his back. Mutant. Mutant. Mutant! Yeah, he's a bounty hunter called Razlo the Three Gun. He's kind of like a myth. Hey, Kevin, I think I'm helping you out. But I don't, I don't say that. <laughs> you mean basically his fascist stampede? No. Vash doesn't have three guns. Yeah, yeah. but Vash is a man. No, as I'm running up to do this, Clarence, you might want to look away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to see this. I need to see look this. Look away, child. <laughs> I hate bugs. Gosh, 70 damage. That is like... She's dead. <laughs> She got a 22, but it wasn't a natural crit, so she's definitely getting hit. Here's what happens. You come running, you, like, have your swords in your hand, and you jab them both into the ground. Like, so they stick where you are. You slide on your knees, like, ninja style, and as you're spinning, your coat becomes a blade and just goes... And, like, literally slices right through her. Like, a bunch of bugs... Shoot out the back and land on Clarence. You also cut, uh, you cut right through the wall and uh, a hidden door falls open. Zazzle's like holding herself like this and you see like her bottom half and top half like rejoining, but she's obviously injured. She's like, ah, you son of a... Like Razzle's going like this, ah, and blood is coming out of his nose and a bug comes out of his ear and like flies away. And then Razzle's like, Ah, and he drops his guns and he like falls to his knees and he's like, Where where am I? What what's going on? An evil witch tried to take over your mind. Let's go kill her. I saved you. You owe me. Let's go. Zazzle? Ah. Uh, it was Zazzle? Yes. So Razzle's like started to bleed from the nose. And uh and he's, as he's trying to like walk over to the bar, he kind of stumbles. And he's now leaned over the bar, drinking whatever was left behind by some of the <laughs> bandits. If you guys are going after Zazzle, you should know she's... I'm pretty sure she's weak against fire. Do we want to go into the cave? Stuart, go fetch Kevin. Stuart fetches Kevin. Why are you getting Kevin? If I don't know that word very well. Okay, are you guys leaving uh, Razzle behind? Are you going to talk to him anymore? I'm going to come over and talk to him real quick. Okay, what are you asking? Saying. Alright, well, obviously we're about to go into that. Good call. What, like, are you going to be okay? Is there anything we can do to help you at this point? You kind of... You're going to die, like aren't crap. you? Uh, and I was tracking her because her, him, it was part of the... The nine lieutenants of Red Earth. She was a lieutenant of Red Earth? Yeah. No. I was no. tracking Red. all nine. Well, all eight. Do you have this list on you, perchance? He, like, pulls out, uh, 
like a roll of papers. And it's and down. Okay, and so it was really close. And I didn't understand Zazzle's powers. And she caught me. I wasn't able to fight her. You flip through and you see Alistair, Juno, and Matsu calls Juno the Sideblade, Alistair the Crimson Dustcaster, Matsu the Beastmaster, and then you see new pictures of people you haven't seen yet. Zazzle the Beast. You see a man named Ferris has a very high bounty. You see a picture of a woman. It says Sierra, the swordsman. You also see a picture of a buff-looking black guy with some, like, techno gizmos. And most of these are, like, hand-drawn, so they're not very accurate-looking. Uh, and it calls him Barrett. And another one of a man called Tetsuya. Sierra. I'm gonna hold up that one and say, what's your leads on this one? Well, all I know is they're operating all over this area right now. They're collecting something. What does Sierra have to do with it? I, I don't know. She joined them a few months ago and started helping do their dirty work. She's obviously strong. She ended up in, as a lieutenant faster than anyone. You notice that there is a trail of like dead insects leading towards the um, Molotov. Uh, Zazzle put, points her hand at you and then like out of her hand, bugs start like forcing their way through her skin and it basically becomes like a bug hand. They're like kind of like all on you, building like a bug mess. But you can try and get out of it. I'm gonna go ahead and just cause my cloak to explode into like a bunch of million little spikes and just spear all of them at once. You try to listen to Zazzle's thoughts and you literally hear like a cacophony of like nighttime crickets and I'm getting really sick and tired of that sound. Killing that bug. So you reach way down and you form these two massive hands and they just get ready to smash Zazzle. Zazzle leaps really quickly up in the air right as you're like about to smash but a third hand has come up from <laughs> above her that she didn't notice and just try for Straight down and goes oosh, oosh. <laughs> And now she's like on fire inside of there, like writhing, and it's a small cage. So it's like not much bigger than she is, and she's like, Ah, why are you doing this? Ah." Can you hear me, Zazzle? What do you want? Destroyer. Clarence has been so annoyed for such a long time, he's just like, He walks over, he sticks his hand through the cage, grabs the thing by its head. All of a sudden, I'll touch. They're, they're in empty space, a white space, like in the Matrix. And she's like, you mean nothing to me, child. All of a sudden, he makes himself as big as a human and her as small as a bug. And Am I still nothing to you? You're going to tell me everything. Clarence picks her up and he eats her. As she like goes into his mouth, it turns into like one of those creepy like trip scenes. His mouth is now like full of thousands of hands and they're all like grabbing and pulling at her and she's like, no! And every time something gets pulled off of her, a memory gets released. So you see an an empty desert, and then there's like a crater, and in the middle of the crater, there's a non-exploded nuclear warhead. The the nuclear hazardous material has seeped out, and you see like the ground all around it is all like dead and crusty, but there's like tiny pupas like like have been born all around it. And uh, one of the pupas crawls out, and then as it comes by another pupa, the pupa comes out and like follows it. And all of a sudden, they start like combining together until it forms like the makeshift body of a humanoid crawling out of the the crater. And like little bugs will fall off, and then another one will take its place. Now it's time for Sierra. Tell me about her. Okay, so you start seeing flashes. You see a woman like wearing armor and she's got two swords on her back. And you see her battling alongside of Juno, the guy you've met, the swordsman with the big hair, and Zazzle in some kind of village. The scene unfolds, and you see Zazzle watching the two of them walk in, and, uh, and there's an elder meeting with them. And elder Wolfing? Yeah, the fox chieftain, the Sula. He's talking to them, and he's obviously like not giving them what they want. Harris just gives them a nod. It's like a split second. Sierra has ne- already drawn her weapon and the, the wolf's head is like in slow motion flying through the air. At the same time, Juno has his sword out and you see him swipe across like the whole village 
and you just see people like falling like left and right. Mm, this looks like mass murder. Zazzle opens her hands and just a swarm of Zazzles come out, like many more than you've seen, and they just kind of sweep through and start like clinging on people. Now you can see the battlefield from a thousand different angles. Some of uh, the bugs have infiltrated some <clears throat> of Kevin's clansmen. You kind of zoom all the way back to this one tent. You see that there's a tunnel and it opens up this like hidden door. And he goes inside and there's like a very like technologically advanced room. And in the center there's this uh, piece of like technology and it has like what looks like a brain in the center of it with these like kind of tube things coming off takes it up to them and then you see him like kneeling before Zazzle and, uh, and the other Juno Sierra and then this other guy you don't recognize uh, you reach out with your mind uh, wall of force forms above her and just goes <laughs> Literally, like, the cage that she was in gets flattened to pace, and, like, bug pace shoots out. Good. That's one. Mm. Four more to go. This is what you see. The whole town is, like, obliterated. There's fire. Like, lots of things are on fire. Trees are burning. Like, the buildings are burning. There's a lot of people that have been killed. A lot of soldiers are laying around and stuff. Over by the entrance of the base, there is a, like, glowing point of light. When you guys look at it and try to engage, like, and, and see what it is, the light en engulfs all, all three of you, and uh, you all of a sudden get the sense that Gerber is with you. He's like, I'm going to share with you my last moments. You guys all will see the battle through the eyes of Alistair, Matsuo, and Juno. Lovely. You each get to pick one of them and control them and fight against Gerber. You guys have already like blew up a bunch of his soldiers and stuff. There's uh, some soldiers running around trying to shoot at you as well. And Juno and dies. jumps off of a flaming bird, smashes into the ground, cool style. Like a force field goes over Gerber and his three guys and the blade just kind of like goes huh. inside the I bed. hope you don't think that was the full power of my attack. That was only a bit of a taste of my power. You guys realize you're supposed to kidnap General Gerber. We zoom out and we're like 20 miles away from the village and we just see this pink like laser up in the sky and then it just comes down. You see it, him close up and you notice that his eyes go reptilian and his skin color starts to go green and you start to notice scales and stuff. He starts stretching until he's like 50 feet tall. Oh my, how you've grown. Okay, so the dinosaur is big and unhappy. And she... no longer protected by a barrier. So uh, all the dust all around town comes around uh, Reptar's feet and starts like swirling and Reptar's like, and he's trying to like stomp it and stuff. <laughs> the whole column becomes a rocket. Each section becomes like a fuel sludge and explodes, and that explosion causes it to go further and further and further. It's a dinosaur. I'm pretty sure a little explosion just makes its dummy upset. The creature like jumps onto Reptar's face and has like latched itself over his eyes. And now the dust turns into long like spikes, and they just cross in every which way. Um, Reptar like holding him in place. <laughs> And so he is now pinned. I'm going to use Psyblade. I'm going to drop 19 stamina into this. Yes! Do it. He can't dodge. He's straight up eviscerated, like... Just... Oh! Are you <laughs> 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 Yeah, the Firebird takes 65 damage. You guys manage to, like, hold on to the bird good enough that as it hits the ground, you don't take the damage the bird does. So you're out of stamina now? Yeah. I jump onto Godzilla. What you guys see is um, Matsuo gives another big push using TK and literally like pushes Reptar into a fold in reality. Like reality is kind of bending. It's as if he's pushing him into the ground and the ground is like enveloping him until it like fully envelops him and then after a couple of minutes it turns into the size of a marble. Matsuo walks over and picks it up 
and he opens up these little pouches around his thing and they have like little foam cutouts and he puts the marble in one of the cutouts or like a little jar or something and like closes it. Then they all hop back on Zubat and Sparky and they fly off. Do you, the bad guys want to say anything poetic as they capture Gerber and fly off into the sunset? <laughs> You've captured legendary type Reptar Gerber Baby! <laughs> In the last moments of the vision, Gerber's like, I'll do my best to send a message as soon as I can. Make sure you keep tracking these jerks. Hello players, it's Paul Purnell, the creative director of the RPG Empire and the keeper of Dust World RPG, as well as I play Lucas in Strangers in the Pines. I'm just here to let you know that we have just released a free one-page RPG called The Christmas Special. It's a game about playing Christmas movies, essentially. So if you love Christmas movies, you love The Grinch, you don't love Christmas, you can blast it. It's kind of up to you and the keeper whoever's running the game the dm so it's really simple you print it out you and your friends and you can create mayhem for christmas or you can save it it's up to you but we just released it so if you're interested in getting that just head on over to our website and click the download link so that's all for now i hope you are enjoying the show and we'll get on with it so back to the show play on And with that, I will say, let's get back to the show. So today we've got a new player, Josh. Hey, what's up? Hi, what's up? He's playing Wedge, the warbred cyborg brawler who was hired to help track the activities of Red Earth in the northern wastes. He's kind of like, uh, you know, like mostly metal. He's got like a human jawline, but like crazy, like metal goggles and metal dreads kind of hanging out that are like actually cables for interfacing and things. Uh, he's got like two metal arms that uh, have like super ridiculous punching capabilities for like bashing the crap out of stuff. And he's also got a few secret forms that hopefully we'll get a taste of in the next few episodes. In the time in between the last session and this session, the characters have been hunting the uh, for um, the tech hunter called Barrett, who's working for the Red Earth Kingdom, and they've been all over the northern wastelands trying to find uh, where where he's at and how to stop him. And they got some leads and found and hired Biggs and Wedge to. Uh, two pretty strong trackers to help them get through the wilds to find uh, one of these underground ruins where um, where Barrett is and they're hot on his tail now in, in the desert pass. So you guys have now entered the northwest desert pass. Alright, everybody there is a pit of bugs right under where that girl standing. I think I heard of these things before. It's the desert siren. It uses a hallucination to get you to walk into its mouth. After you yank off its arm, uh-huh. a big tongue comes out and it tries to grab you. Uh-huh. You like twist your hand around the tongue. Uh, you like get down in a crouching position. Two little rockets come out from your, uh, your legs. You shoot up into the air about 100 feet, pulling the whole tongue up and out of the creature. And attached to the tongue as you pulled it out were, uh, were Stuart and Cage. And they both like fly out and land on the ground. So the horde like pounces on Biggs. He like hits the ground. They're like biting his arms and his legs and gnawing on him. As the sand clears, there is now like the puddle of what used to be the Sarlacc. Like you landed straight in the middle of it. Also, you guys notice that Wedge is nowhere to be seen. And so all you see is this new like crazy robot mm-hmm. like in, in the crater of, of the Sarlacc or the, the desert siren covered in its blood and digestive oozes. Kevin gets dragged off. You Always. notice that uh, when he was captured, he was getting pulled off, and for a second you could see him kind of like going down the stairs. So you figure that whatever is taking him is probably taking him deeper as well. You look around and you notice that this is an old office building. Everything is very 
Western or West style. You look down and you notice that at floor 30, the center of this like drop is like totally closed up with debris. So you expect that like even if you were to go down that way, you have to find a new way past level 30. Okay. So your goal is at the bottom of this building. As you ran past, he's coming out of this little hallway. Oh, how's it going? What? 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 Do you know how many freaking zombies I had to kill to get through? Don't act like it was an easy task. I wouldn't even know! So, are you guys kind of entering into the floor now? Is that your plan? Alright, well, I'm gonna just say, well, since I'm bored, let's just get this party started, and I'm gonna pull out my pistol and just fire into the air. Alright guys, let's start the party! <laughs> How are you getting down? I thought you guys were gonna jump out the middle hole. Yeah, I just put my swords away and then just step off the side like, Alright! Okay. <laughs> Catch me, Clarence! <laughs> <laughs> you rolled a two. Okay, so, like, you slip and you start to fall. You'll be alright. And inside of Stuart, you're going, like, full belly flop, but then, like, you correct as you fall and, like, Stuart lands right on the Okay, so you're going down the hall? Just like jump, yep. Standing before you, blocking out the light, is an eight and a half foot tall mass of bandages, swirling and contorted, collected, looking like a mummy, but standing as tall as the Hulk. You just feel this sense of dread. They can take care of themselves. No way. No, I'm just going to lock the door. No way. No, I'm being serious. No way. I don't want anything coming up behind me while I'm guarding your ears, so I figured if I was going to take on the big guy, I can handle the hordes. So his arm stretched out about 10 feet and, like, just blasted you. You're not Gage. What are you talking about, Clarence? Of course I am. So he still sounds like Gage, but suddenly his visage changes and he looks like he's wearing these ancient clothing that you would recognize from storybooks as maybe like a security officer or a mall cop or a police officer. And his hands shift into the shape of blades and his whole body has this shimmer to it and some parts are just completely reflective like liquid metal or chrome as he approaches you. Okay, uh, Lear is going after a copybot. What? Yeah, there is a little bit of a detail there. He, like, jumps off the ceiling, back down, and, like, smashes right in the head, and it, like, goes right through and pulls a whole lot of bandages, like, off. And so you... And then you see that there is no head in there. It's just empty. You reach in with your mind, you grab these things, and you start pulling. Lear's trying to, like, pull them back in. Now. You, you pull them out, and it's like this struggle, but you're stronger, and you actually actually pull out two people. Gage, remember the wasteland? We don't talk about that. Now shut up and give me something. It's him. <laughs> I'm gonna like use dust bending and pretty much move it inside of the lear and cause an explosion. I'm there are more bodies in there. Okay, so a grenade lands near you and blows up. Okay. And <laughs> you, you notice that when it blows up, it like. It's not an explosive. It creates like an energy field, uh-uh. and it kind of like everything that gets hit by it's like, electricity. and then it goes off. Yeah. So you actually wow. push Lear into the fire. <laughs> okay, so when you hit the cube, it uh, it blows. So you blow that one up, but as you blow it up, it like another cube multiplied out. Stupid! I just yeah. saw turn and look at him like. Uh. So Clarence and Stuart and Gage see Kevin coming through the door, and he looks beat up and battered. Gage, I don't trust this. I can't believe you guys were going to leave me behind. You really suck. I don't trust that you got out that thing yourself. How did you get out? Kevin, where did we meet? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't really think of much right now. I'm bleeding out, guys. Like, my guts are just barely hanging on here by a thread. It's not Kevin. It's a copybot. No, no, Gage, go on. Go ahead, since you, I know you care so much about that. You keep getting mad at me for wanting to kill my teammates, but the one time I decided to save them, it's a copybot. It's a copybot. I need Maximus to scan uh, Kevin. Look, wait, 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 w
Kevin, uh, what are you going to say to them? Are you going to try and convince them not to kill you or anything? Please don't kill me. Hey, you stab him, I'll kill him. Fair enough. So I disintegrate one of my dust plates and pull out Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Get some action, boys! Gage, like, reaches up and does, like, a hand motion. Lear was on top of the thing, pounding it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it just disintegrates underneath him into just dust, and he comes falling into the room and basically filled most of it. Hi, could I not be right where he squints? They're some sort of technology, like, weird pod things. Guys, there's some really weird stuff over here. The Lear's, like, half of Lear's body, or, like, 80% of Lear's body just, like, can't hold its shape anymore. Okay, and so as this is happening, uh, Copybot picks up Stuart's head, and he runs off down the hallway. I got my tingle grenade, so I'm going to toss it on him and run away. Everything flashes to white. And what you see is, uh, we done this. Yeah. You see a laboratory, and in this laboratory, um, you see a fairly muscular black guy. He's like, "Why are you always getting in my face all the time, man?" And you hear Wedge's voice, and he's like, "I'm not. You just take things too hard." Well, sometimes you just gotta take what's in front of you before somebody else takes it, man. Man, you need to calm down and chill out. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Uh, and then you see the guy's, like, arm, like, transforms into a cannon. And he's like, check out this baby. Where'd you get that? I mean, I saw it laying around here or there. Put it together. What do you think? No, no. Where'd you get that? <laughs> he shoots and, like, a hole blows open in the wall. Good. You hear uh, an old man go, what the hell are you guys doing in there? He comes in. There's a guy in a lab like suit, lab coat, uh, with a long white beard and white hair, some like little spectacles. He's got like rubber gloves on and stuff, like he's been working. And there's like kind of singes, and uh, he's like, "What are you guys doing?" And he looks at Wedge. Also, Wedge, uh, you guys can't see Wedge, um, but you notice that the the black guy only has like a few robotic parts. Mm. So he's like cyborg. More. Yeah. Um, so what do you say, Wedge? Say, I didn't do anything, Dr. Light. He's got some crazy thing going on. I don't know what's going on. Like, he's got this crazy arm. I don't know where he got it. He's oh like, my God. My real gun? Why are you wearing my real gun? What happened to your freaking arm? And, uh, and the black guy's like, hey, baby, sometimes you just got to make an improvement. He's like, oh, my God. Why did I adopt you? He's like, listen, I'm taking this here gun, and I'm going on the road. You guys get in my way, I'm going to put you down. <sighs> Dr. Light pulls out a little, like, device, and he hits a button, and then the arm, like, goes, Foop. He's like, now that ain't cool at all. Aw, that was awesome. And uh, what does Wedge do? Wedge says, that was awesome, and then he tackles um, uh, the guy. Okay, you see him scuffling for a minute. Uh, they start rolling and, and kind of basically brawling. Uh. They're, they're both pretty equally matched. Um, and then uh, Dr. Light's like, guys, don't go near that. And they start punching and kicking and fighting, and they hit this thing that's sort of Tesla coil-like, and it goes off and explodes the whole laboratory. Mm. Um, by the time the smoke clears, Wedge is getting up. And, uh, <laughs> and you see Dr. Light is on the ground, and he's, like, singed, um, but he looks okay. And then you notice, like, uh, like a blood trail has gone off, mm. and <laughs> you find the, the left arm of, uh, of Barrett Love on the ground. And, um, and so that's the last thing you see. Suddenly we fast forward, uh, and you see Barrett is in this dark room, and Wedge is, is confronting him. Uh, some time has passed. Barrett is now, like, almost all machine. And, uh, and he's like, listen, why do you keep following me? I told you, we're done. We're through. No, man. You need to calm down. You need to get your life back together. You need to give up this crazy obsession you have. And you need to come back home. Listen, it ain't gonna happen. You got two choices. Either my boys, they're gonna break your legs, or you walk out of here. I'll break all your boys. Okay, so what happens is, like, his guys start coming after Wedge. Uh, 
there's a few of them that are like like small mech size. And Wedge flips into uh, Titan mode. And you can tell this is the first time he did it because he's really awkward. Yeah. And he's kind of like walking funny. Yeah. Um, and this room has some like mirrored surfaces so you can see Wedge like looking at himself and he's like, oh, dang, I look tight. Yeah. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden Wedge shoots forward and you see like one of his rocket arm like moves go on and he blasts right through one of these mech dudes and he falls like in half. Nice. And, um, and Barrett's like, dang, you got moves now, boy. And his arm reverts into uh, the railgun and he points it at Wedge and he blasts and Wedge gets hit by it and flies out through the wall. And then that's the end of that scene. Um, then we flash to white and when we come up, we go to... Wait a minute, is this something that goes through our memories and like pretty much just displays everything? Mm-hmm. So, um, Clarence... Like, we start seeing, uh, like, the inside of a tent. You hear some, like, uh, some arguing, and then you see, like, uh, like running out of the tent. It kind of, like, skips through the memory in various ways, and finally you see, from Clarence's perspective, finding, like, a couple of these sort of wayward kids, and he follows them to this little hideout and stuff. Um, hey, hey, guy. And Clarence's voice sounds, like, much more optimistic and less dead and flat than it usually does. Like, almost like he's an actual little kid. Instead. I mean, he still looks weird as heck. But um, he's like, oh, he's just like, hi, hi, guys. Uh, uh, where are we going? We're going on an adventure. And the other kids, like, look at him. It's like, what's wrong with you? You look weird. Where, uh, where did this guy come from? I don't know. I, I were just like you, just a regular kid. Uh, uh, totally normal. Cool. Very, very, very normal. Okay, well, could you shut up, normal kid? Uh-huh. We're, we're trying to plan a heist here. I, I know how to do heists. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so we, we flash through various memories, and you see, like... Different times where they convince Clarence to do things that he shouldn't, um, like steal and and different things like that. And then finally, one time, um, they are all cornered by... They're in a shack, and there's these bear wolves, yeah. which are exactly what you imagine. Um, <laughs> uh, relatives of Kevin. Like, their little shack is surrounded... And so, like, this little house that they ducked into to get away from them, and they're all like, oh my gosh, what do, we, what do we do? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Hey, what if we use that one as bait? I mean, when we run anyway, he's slow, right? So, he'll just, he'll just be the, you know, the, 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 the straggler, you know, just like, like on the Discovery Channel. And Claire's like, but, but we're friends, aren't we? Aren't we? Sure, yeah. You know what friends do right now is they, uh, they let us tie them up, right? Okay. Yes. Cool. I think. Great. You're such a good friend, buddy. And so the whole group ties him up and they're like, okay, so we just need you to just hang out right here and we'll be right back. Okay. And they open the front door and go out the side doors. What happens next? Uh, bear the, wolves. the bear wolves come in. Growl. And you just see this like look of crushed disappointment on Clarence's face. And he just tells kinetically like takes the ropes off and flings the walls into the wall it's like and so you see him going back to this tent and there's this fat guy who looks like he's like a ringleader at a circus you know and it's just like he's drunk as a skunk and you see Clarence sneaking around and then the guy says you came back huh it's been a week the other the outside people did they treat you nice no particularly I didn't think so. Mm-hmm. It's probably because you were no use to them, right? Without your power, you're nothing, boy. You're only how useful you are. Now That's give me something you. to drink. That's all anyone is, isn't there? Just how useful they are. Exactly. Now you're learning. How many years did it take you? <laughs> okay. And then it flashes, and we flash back. And we see uh, Gage, and he's training, and he's meditating, and he's with uh, with Sierra, and they're talking about their parents' death. And so she's like, I really feel like something happened. Like, I don't remember exactly, but 
it's, it's, it doesn't line up. Like, Dad was a great fighter. How could a couple of bandits kill Dad? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Sarah, we've been over this a hundred times. It doesn't make any sense, but if we keep dwelling on it, it's just going to be our focus. We need to focus on getting strong enough. I'm we don't going to get strong enough. Like I'm going to get strong enough, and I'm going to find out what happened. And then I'm going to make whoever was a part of this pay. Probably already long dead, but... They will be. You know I've got your back. Good. You see uh, Sierra doing her Schwartz katas, like multiplying. Schwartz katas. Yeah, Schwartz. She she holds her sword in a certain way. It gleams, it flashes. Suddenly there's two of her standing on either side of her. They all slice at the same time, and it creates a wave of energy that cuts through the the things that are standing as their targets. (laughs) She's like, now you do it. Gage picks up his one sword. He tries to do, like, finesse, and he just can't seem to get it. He, he does it for a second. You sort of... There seems like there could be somebody next to him, and then nothing. And then he swings his sword, and a little tiny blade comes out. And it manages to cut, like, just the, the one rope around the, like, log. And the one, like, little rope falls off. And she's like, not bad for your first try. Not bad. Okay. Then we flash to Kevin. We see, uh, like, flashes of his hunting ability. He's uh, lining up his prey through his scope. Bam! Right in the face. The the centipede giraffe hits the ground. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Several several of his his friends, like his uh, tribe gather around and they're like, man, you're such a good shot, Kevin. Like, it's, it's incredible. You really, you really should just do something better than hunting. What does Kevin say? What is there that's better than hunting? Which is providing for our people. No. The, the chieftain walks up and he's like, son, you, you really make us proud. And, uh, and then we flash to the moment Kevin returns to his, uh, his village we see the village laid waste. Uh, some of the teepees and the, the different huts that they had built are on fire or totally knocked over. There's still a few Zazzle bugs like flying through the air, and Kevin immediately notices them and thinks that it's weird. Um, as he goes through the camp, he finds his, uh, his brother and sister and their family have been killed. Um, but one of his nieces is is missing. He doesn't find their body. Um, he looks through, and there's several people missing, and he starts to notice a pattern. Like, they're all people that had some sort of special gift. Their their intelligence was was higher, or they, they showed latent signs of psi abilities. As he finishes going through the village, he comes to the chief's house, and when he goes inside, he finds that there's a secret passage. He goes through the secret passage and it enters into uh, a strange high-tech but really old bunker similar to the one we're in right now. And when he goes through into it, he notices that there's uh, there's a piece of something missing out of this uh, that looked like an egg sort of case, but the case was open and whatever was inside is gone. Do you want to say anything, Kevin? I'll find them. Slowly, the uh, the white is fading, and you start to come back into focus in this room where you see each other again. As you look down, you uh, like the the corridor of this like massive throne room. You see uh, you see Barrett walking like in his normal form, but in nicer clothes. And you also see Tetsuo, Tetsuya, who you've never seen before, except for the rough drawing on the wanted poster. Um, you also see uh, Sierra, Juno, uh, Alistair, and Matsuo. Uh, and you see them all walking together uh, down this hallway. And for the first time, you see some other people that you haven't seen before as well. Uh, you see Zazzle there. You've seen her, though. And Razlo. Not a huge fan of um, Zazzle. 
and then you see uh, them all walking up and stopping in front of uh, somebody that you saw in your first vision of uh, when Zazzle destroyed Kevin's village. His name is Ferris, according to the... Um, so does he look like a wolf? No, Ferris is not a wolf. He uh, he's very he has um Fenris. Sorry, it is getting, Fenris. Yeah, um he has a similar complexion as you. Um his hair is like white, uh, but much shorter. He looks clean, like clean cut, but he also has like this gaunt, sort of unearthly look to him. Um Yes. Uh, from just even standing there remembering this vision, um, you feel his psychic pressure, and you realize it's, like, stronger than uh, General Gerber. Um, and, yeah, and so uh, as they walk up, Ferris starts talking to them about the plan, and he un- unfolds before them. Uh, he unveils some different technology pieces, and you see a person in a capsule, like, uh, kind of like a healing tube or something. And energy is kind of pulsing off of this tube. And then he uh, tells uh, Tetsuya to come closer. And he's like, do you, you know, do you solemnly swear to serve the red earth with all of your might and your life? And he says, I do. Um, and he's like, good. And then he opens a case and there's these uh, kind of weird transmitter, like kind of like an old light bulb looking thing, but with some technology on it. And he uh, pierces two, one on each side of his back, into his body. And then they start to light up. And you see lights kind of pulsing off of the, the tube with the person in it. And all of a sudden, uh, Tetsuya's eyes kind of glow with an unearthly glow. And you can feel energy pulsing around his body. And then he reaches out with his hand. And, uh, and you watch like this column just disintegrate in a second and then reforms using dust. Mm. And, and he's like, it's true, the power of red, he clasps his hand, is unstoppable. And, uh, and Ferris is like, not yet, but we will be. And he lays out before them the plan of gathering the pieces they need to create this technology, but on a much grander scale. He says, now you may meet the king. And so they come before uh, the throne and Ferris is the first to bow, and he's like, my liege. And with this unearthly voice, a man who's mostly in shadow, but on this massive throne. The throne itself is uh, just kind of gnarled. It looks both regal, but also, like, scary in some way. Um, the way the metal's sort of bent around, almost like multiple, like, molten skeleton corpses have been, like, attached together to form this but maybe more like golden so it kind of has this regal feel but it's still kind of like really creepy and you're just like what the heck is wrong with you um, and so he sits there in shadow and he's talking to his uh, his generals and he uh, he speaks with intent speaking in tone of voice he says you are the strongest of my kingdom and I have promoted you to the red devils of red earth. Your job, as Ferris has laid out, is to make our kingdom unstoppable. What say you? They all say, we will, sir. Very good. If you do not bring what is required of you, there will be severe punishment. They all say, we understand in unison. He's like, go forth and bring glory to Red Earth. And they all go, for Red Earth. Barrett's my brother. I have a question. Hello, I'm a little small child. They copy five. Are you behind that? Yeah, he tried to stop me. It didn't last. Who created it first? I don't know. It was part of this building's defense mechanisms. And so you just come into this building you don't fully understand. We need to get you out of here. You could be in serious trouble. This is technology that is beyond your comprehension. In the last moments before Barrett Love evaporated before your very eyes, Wedge managed to reach into his storage dimension and pull out Wade, the sentient sword. 
there's a theory that if you're a high enough level dust bender, you can shift down to the molecular level. That's clearly what just happened. Gage pulls out the wad of wanted posters. As he flips through them, one person catches his eye. His name is Tetsuya. Believed dustbender, beware, armed and dangerous. That is the end of the submerged skyscraper. Tune in next time for Clarence putting somebody in a punishment hole. Uh, again, probably. And that isn't the enemy. Wedge punching somebody's important. face in half, and who knows what uh, <laughs> what Kevin Wolfkin will put in his mouth. <laughs> or, or Gage. No, Gage is the one you should be asking that about, because I didn't put anything in I, I guess what Kevin Wolfkin will put on his skin and what Gage will put in his mouth. Tune in next time to find out. Will they survive? Thank you for listening to the show. We also have a free gift we'd love to give you over on our Patreon page, A Monster of the Week Mystery. And if you need more gaming in your life, just check out all of the things that we have available on our Patreon. You can get there at therpgempire.com. Thanks for listening again, and remember, play on.